Elijah. And if I can get my stuff out. Pastor was really nice to pull up something from, um, what is this from? Some, the Jewish something files for me. Um, and um, I was reading it, and it's very, very interesting. Um, it goes along with what I'm teaching, and I've been sitting here trying to, and we will be having a prayer line after. I've been sitting here trying to figure out which way to go. But I think what I'm going to do is go with the Jewish one first, and then we'll hit the scriptures. How's that sound? So I'm just going to read this. So, Father, I just thank you, and I praise you for your word that will go forth this morning in power and might. I thank you, Father God, that I can yield myself to you, spirit, soul, and body, and that your word, your seed, goes forth in power and might, and it falls on good ground, good soil, and it will bring forth a mighty harvest. And we give you the praise, the glory, and the honor in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm going to just go ahead and start uh, with this. Um, Now remember, this is coming from the Jews' perception of Elijah and the most all of their writings and all of the things that they have brought together. I asked Pastor, you know, it could be some of, um, oh, what's his name? Josephus. But the most beloved prophet of all, with whom the future redemption of Israel through, through Messiah is closely linked, who frequently comes down to earth to help Jews in distress reveals some secrets of the divine Torah to our great scholars. Now, see, you've got to remember, these people aren't Christians, okay? So I'm going to read what they believe, okay? Um, who is present at the covenant with God, entered in by the Jewish child at the age of eight days. How many know what they do on the eighth day? They circumcise the boys, amen? Okay. A, the drought. Elijah appeared in the land of Israel at a most crucial time. The land of Israel was then divided into two kingdoms, the kingdom of Judah and the kingdom of the ten tribes. On the throne of the latter sat King Ahab. But the true ruler of the land was his wife, Queen Jezebel. Originally a Phoenician princess who never, who, never, who never gave up her Phoenician way of life. Her influence was very great, not merely over her husband, but through the kingdom. And as a result, the worship of Baal, the god of the Phoenicians, spread with ever greater force and was the cause of much trouble that befell the land of Israel. One day the prophet Elijah and King Ahab met. Elijah warned the king of the divine punishment that would visit upon his land if he did not abolish idol worship and did not cause a general return of all Israel to God. Ahab scoffed at the idea, saying, Didn't Moses already warn us in the Torah that rain would cease and the land would not give forth its produce? 
if we should worship other gods, yet nothing happened as yet. So they knew this. They knew what the Torah said. They knew that this was a possibility. God has been patient with you, but you don't seem to realize it. Now we will see that not merely shall Moses' words be fulfilled, but mine also. I tell you, in God's name, that is, from today there will be no rain until I shall say the word. From, from that day, years of drought and famine began in the land of Israel. The famine spread even abroad, beyond the borders of the land, so that no bread could be purchased for its weight in gold. Prophets in, in two secret caves. and Wait a minute. Did we get the wrong page here? Pardon? Oh, that's right. Forgot. It's on both sides. I'm not used to it printing on both sides. The ravens fed Elijah, part B. Now God told Elijah to withdraw to a deserted place by the brook of Shirith near the Jordan. Of the brook you will drink, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you. God promised him, and indeed, Twice daily in the morning and in the evening the ravens came and brought him bread and meat from the royal table of the king of Judah. Imagine the king's surprise when the ravens swooped down upon his table and disappeared, disappeared again with part of his meal. When this, <laughs> when this became a regular occurrence, the king ordered that a special portion of bread and meat be served with his meals and the ravens never failed to pick it up. Sometime, now, see, we didn't know all this. Sometime elapsed, and, and God's word came to Elijah, commanding him to go to the land of Sidon, where a noble Jewish woman would provide his food. When Elijah reached the gates of Zarephath in the land of Sidon, Sidon I believe it is, he saw a woman gathering sticks. Elijah called to her, Please bring me a little water and a morsel of bread. All I have, answered the good woman, is a handful of meal in a jar and a little oil in a cruise. I was just going to prepare the last meal for my child myself. Shall I give it to you? Fear not, the prophet assured her. Go and bake a little cake for me first. Then you will bake some cake for yourself and your son. For these are the words of God. The jar of meal shall not waste, nor shall the cruise of oil fail, until God sends rain and the famine will be over. It was a test that required great faith, but the good woman did not hesitate. She went and did as Elijah bade her, and lo and behold, the handful of meal never seemed to grow less, nor was the oil diminishing for many days. Before Elijah had left her, he had occasion to repay her for her kindness. It came to pass that her little son fell very sick when was about to die. As all hopes to save his life seemed, to, seemed at an end, Elijah prayed to God and revived him. See, Obadiah. In the meantime, Jezebel, the wicked queen, continued to persecute the true prophets. And in, anyone who dared to speak in the name of God of Israel was immediately put to death at her command. But right in her palace was a man who, at great risk to his very life, tried to save the remaining true prophets of Israel. His name was Obadiah, 
who later became a famous prophet. Obadiah hid a hundred prophets in two secret caves and sustained them with bread and water. Water was even scarcer than bread, for there had been no rain for years. Jezebel, however, thought that she had exterminated all of the true prophets and that only Elijah was left. Officers were then sent through the land to find Elijah, but they could not find him. However, when the time came for him to make his appearance, he did so quite fearlessly. It was in the third year of the famine that God told Elijah to appear before King Ahab. The king had already recognized that the famine was God's punishment, but he was still wavering between right and wrong, and it was Elijah's task to let the king and all the Jews recognize the truth and cause them to return to God with all their hearts. Elijah first appeared before Obadiah and told him to bring the news of his coming to King Ahab. For Elijah was not afraid that Ahab might make plans to apprehend him. Ahab met Elijah with ill grace. You have caused all this trouble to our people, Ahab said to him. Elijah threw back the accusation right in the king's face. Not I, but you and your family. You have forsaken God's commandments and have led this people astray through the worship of Baal. This must stop now if Israel is to be saved. Now, therefore, gather all the people on Mount Carmel and your false prophets and priests of Baal, and we shall settle the matter once and for all. This is, to me, exciting. Sounds like, in a way, our country. Okay. At Mount Carmel, now, Jezebel had 850 prophets of the Baal who enjoyed her protection and hospitality. These were now gathered at Mount Carmel together with great masses of the Jewish people. King Ahab was there too to witness the proceedings. When all were gathered, Elijah addressed the people of Israel. How long will you waver between two opinions? You, you worship the idols, but when you are in trouble, you turn to God. There can be no two truths. If you recognize God's might, why don't you remain loyal to him? But if you believe in the Baal, let the Baal help you now. Not a, vi not a voice rose to dispute with Elijah. Elijah then proceeded, look, here I am alone, the only true prophet of God facing the 850 so-called prophets of Baal, where the truth is concerned. However, it's not a question to be decided by the majority. God himself will prove it to you. And here is the test. Let two bullocks be brought. Let one be offered by the priest of the Baal to their God. And I shall offer the other to the God of Israel, the creator of the world. We shall set no fire to the wood. They shall pray to... Hang on. Hang on. I hate this kind of stuff. I'm going to take to the... Okay. To Baal to send a fire 
and accept the sacrifice and I will pray to God to send a fire. The one who answers will be recognized as the true God. You think 850 against one? I mean, that's bold. Really, he knew God was on his side. There's some, something in here that I can't, I've never been able to figure out, then we'll get to it. All the assembled people voiced their argument and two bullocks were brought at once. Their agreement, I'm sorry, and two bullocks were brought at once. They were twins and absolutely identical in size and appearance. Lost were, lots were cast and Elijah led away his bullock as the Baal prophets tried to lead their bullock away, the bullock didn't budge. The false prophets tried to pull the bullock, but could not move him. Then Elijah came up to the bullock and said to him, Go with them and let them have no excuse. But For just as your brother will bring a sacrifice of God's name, so you will also prove the falsity of Baal. Only then did the bullock follow the Baal priests. The Baal prophets and priests slew their bullock and offered it to Baal as a sacrifice. They prayed for fire from morning to noon, but of course nothing happened. Then Elijah said to them mockingly, Cry aloud, maybe your God is having a busy conversation, or maybe he is away on a journey. Perhaps he is asleep. Cry hard, wake him up. The false prophets cried for all their worth leaped upon the altar, cut themselves after their manner with knives and lancets until the blood gushed out of them, but nothing happened and they gave it up thoroughly exhausted. The Lord, he is God. Then Elijah called the people to come closer and watch him. He gathered 12 stones, one of each of the 12 tribes and erected an altar to God. He ordered that the trench be dug around the altar and filled with water. He poured water upon the sacrifice and upon the wood until it was drenched. Then he uttered a short prayer. O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, let it be known this day that thou art God of Israel and that I, thy servant, have done these things at thy word. Answer me, O Lord, answer me. No sooner did Elijah conclude his prayer then God sent down a fire from heaven and consumed the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, the earth around the water of the trench. In great awe, all the people fell on their faces and cried out, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Then they seized the false prophets and, and executed them. At once they appeared, there appeared a little cloud in the sky the size of a man's hand. It grew very fast, and in a few moments later, the sky was black with clouds. The long-awaited rain came down in torrents. Through the ages, we have proclaimed this truth, that there is only one God, the Almighty, and the all-powerful creator and ruler of this world. Every year, at the conclusion of Yom Kippur services, we proclaim the words, The Lord he is God seven times. And now more than ever, we should realize this truth and put our trust in God. He who answered Elijah on, Mark Car on Mount Carmel will surely answer us. Before Messiah, our righteous Redeemer, will make his appearance, Elijah will appear on the mountains of the Holy Land 
and will herald the good tidings of the coming Messiah. And Elijah and either Enoch and Mos or Moses are going to appear with him and they will be the prophets that will prophesy. I don't believe we'll be here to see that. We can watch it from above. And it will be quite an amazing thing to see and take place. Hallelujah. Okay, Elijah. There is nothing mentioned of his parents in the Word. Two, one of the most unique and dramatic people in the Bible. Three, I didn't realize this. He was rugged in dress and appearance like John the Baptist. So remember John the Baptist, how he dressed? And in 2 Kings 1.8, let's turn there. I hope you all find this interesting because I do. I've always liked Elijah. Um, You have Elijah and Elisha, as we're going to find out later. Um, Elijah, of course, was taken up in a chariot, which is exciting when you think about it. You know, we used to sing that song, Swing Low, Sweet Chariot. Amen. Second Kings 1.8. But we're going up in the rapture. Okay. The king asked, what was the man like who came to meet you saying these things? Well, let's see. Um, let's go up a little. But the angel of the Lord, verse 3, said to Elijah the Tishbite, Arise, go up and meet the messenger of the king of Samaria and say to them, It is because there is no God in Israel that you are going to inquire of Baal, Beelzebub, the god of Ekron. Therefore, the Lord says, you, I love these names, Ahiza, shall not leave the bed on which you lie, but you shall surely die. And Elijah departed. When the messenger returned to Ahaziah, he said, why have you turned back? Verse 6, they replied, A man came up to meet us and, and who said, Go back to the king who sent you to tell him that thus says the Lord, Is there no God in Israel? Then you send to inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron. Therefore you shall not leave the bed on which you lie, but you shall surely die. The king asked, What was the man like who came to meet you? saying these things. They answered, He was a hairy man with a girdle of leather about his loins, and he said, It is Elijah the Tishbite. So he was hairy and a girdle on his loins. Can you imagine? Here he comes. So when he came, when he, whenever he came, you knew he was there. Amen? Couldn't miss it. Matthew 3, 4. <laughs> 
<laughs> Pardon? Not the type of superhero you think you look like. You know, when you, when you go through the Bible, and especially when you study the Hebrew, and you, you go back and you read the ancient, you know, the ancient things, you really find a lot out. And, I mean, here he is, hairy, loins gird with this. I mean, I mean you knew when he showed up on the scene because the power of God was with him, you know. So Matthew 3, 4. Here we go. Okay, let's see. Well, let's look at John the Baptist here in, in verse 1. In those days there appeared John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness desert of Judea. This is Jesus' cousin, right? And saying, repent. Think differently. Change your mind, regret, regretting your sins and, and changing your conduct. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This is he who was mentioned by the prophet Isaiah when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, shouting in the desert, Prepare the road for the Lord. Make his highway straight, level, direct. The same John's garments were made of camel's hair, and he wore a leather girdle about his waist, and his food was locust and wild honey. Anybody want, want some locust and wild honey for dinner tonight? Sounds delicious, doesn't it? Just get you some old locust out there and get you some honey and dip it in it. Okay, his life, Elijah. His appearance before King Ahab to announce prolonged drought, 1 Kings 17, 1. Here he comes, Harry. <laughs> I want you to get this picture of him. With the, what? Well, he was kept. Yeah, he didn't look like some bum. But he was kept, right. No, he's not a wild man, but you knew who he was by the way he... he John the Baptist wasn't a wild man either. But they, you know, this was... You know, in other words, when he comes with Enoch... I'll go with Pastor. When he comes with Enoch, when those two come as the prophets, they're going to know uh, someone different has some someone with authority and someone different has come. Like like the Hebrews said, he went and spoke to the bull or whatever ox or whatever the thing was. What was it? It was a bull, bull, whatever, and told it, get over there. It was not going to move till he spoke. This is how powerful your words are, church. Understand this. If something budges, you tell it, move it. That's why Jesus said, if you speak, if you say to the mountain, if you believe, if you have faith to say to the mountain, move, it has to move. 
That's the power that God has given us. And we need to realize it. We really need to realize what God has given us and what he desires to do for us. It's miraculous. I would, you know, maybe I'll get, we have a new car and I, maybe I'll get into that story. How every step of the way, this man was a Christian and he was the manager and he just kept dropping money off, money off, money off. Are you part, do you own a Costco card? Are you part of Vons? Yes. Well, trust me, get a Vons card if you're going to buy a car because there's more of a discount with a Vons card. Then we went, and, and I truly am one that believes in getting the 100,000-mile fully covered whatever. They dropped $1,000 off of that. The man said, are you a relative of his? Because, And I said, well, does he do this for anybody else? Never. He said, this only comes to family members. They just kept dropping money off. It was like the favor of God. I can't even begin to tell you. It was just one thing after another in that. I'm, how many of you know how long I waited? And we're just driving past um, Betteravia the other day, and I said, there were three cars there. There was a Lexus. There was the Buick, which I've been looking at the Lacrosse for a long time. And there was a, a Lincoln. I said, pull in there. I said, we're going to go look at these cars. Well, I'll tell you. The Lincoln was sold fine. I love the Buick. I got in the Lexus. That was the most uncomfortable thing I have ever ridden in outside of a BMW I tried out once. We got down to, um, Pastor and I got down to Santa Maria Way. I said, turn this thing around. I can't stand it. And, and took it back and got the first car we tried out. So praise God. God just moved. And he, he wants to move for you supernaturally. I'm telling you, sometimes you have to wait until what he has planned for you is there. You know, it, it's just amazing. If, you know, people kept saying, well, when are you going to do this? Well, God hasn't told me to do this yet. But when he tells you, do it, because he plans on super abundantly blessing you more than you could even ask or think. I didn't even ask the guy to give me deals. He just kept doing it. That's how God wants to work for you. So let's look at this. So 1 Kings 17.1. Here we go. Elijah the Tishbite of the temporary residence of Gilad said to Ahab, As the Lord the God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, and there shall not be dew or rain these years, but according to my word. So he said, according to my word, you're not going to see any dew. You're not going to see anything damp dew, fog, whatever, rain, whatever. You're not going to see any moisture in, until according, but according to my word. For the word of the Lord came to him saying, go from here and turn east and hide yourself by the brook Jereth, east of Jordan. So we see that 
God sends him to the wilderness by divine command. He had to listen to everything and do exactly what God told him to do. 1 Kings 17, 2, we read that through 6. The word of the Lord came to him saying, Go here and turn east and hide yourself to the brook Cherith, east of the Jordan. You shall drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So did he according to the word of the Lord. He went and dwelt by the brook Cherith, east of the Jordan, and the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning and bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook. Well, he had it made. The ravens go into the king's table, they get the meat, they get the bread, they bring it to him, and all he has to do, I mean, it's already prepared, he sits there and eats it. Think of that. That'd be nice. I taught a sermon years ago on the dirty birds that that came and fed Elijah. I mean, those are not real clean birds. If you ever, you know, they're they're not vultures, but they are, what do they call them? Scavengers. <laughs> you know, I'm sure the first time or the first few times they showed up at the table, the king was trying to bat at them or whatever, get them out of there. Nothing he could do. He was sent, um, so he stayed there until the brook dried up. Because there was no rain in the land, and the word of the Lord came to him, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. You notice God said, I have commanded you to be provided for. Do you realize that every single day of our life, that God has commanded something for us in that day, if we will only listen to him and do it. We need to get before God in the morning or the night before or whatever, my perfect time, to be honest with you, to study and to spend time with God is between 12 and 2 in the morning. That is my perfect time. Everything's quiet. Everybody's asleep. I can spend the time I need to with God and hear his voice. So each one of you need to to ask God, what have you commanded out there for me today? What is it? You know, right now we're teaching on, and I thank you, Laurel, and I thank you, Dan, for teaching last week and Terry Wednesday night on the Holy Ghost, listening to the Holy Ghost understanding why he was sent. Jesus said, I will leave and I will send another comforter. And why why he's here and what what his part is in our lives. And part of part of it is to hear what the Lord is saying to us and what has been commanded for us out there and do what the Lord has commanded you know, it says, given, it shall be given to you, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall man give into your bosom. So man has been commanded to bless you. Do you understand that? Your boss, 
whoever you come in contact with has been commanded by God to bless you. You know, God might tell you to go somewhere and go to work and it looked, looks pretty bleak. You have to work it out. You have to fight it out. I just read a thing on um, Noah in the ark. Noah in the ark with all those animals, that was a time of, of um, well, I'll put it right. There was a time of trial, to be honest with you. I mean, he did what God said. He built the ark. I know I'm getting off of Elijah. Don't worry, I'll get there. He built the ark. Two by two, the animals get in it. God leaves the door open seven days. Nobody else gets in it. They've been mocking away. Noah gets in it with his family. God shuts the door, and then the rain starts. And you know they felt this thing rising up. I mean, there'd never been rain on the earth. Can you imagine being in this, in this ark? You can't get out because it's being lifted up. And this is the way I see it. God's hands were on that ark just lifting it and holding it. And that's how he is with our lives. If we'll allow him. And it was a place of testing and trials in there. You know, put... Think of putting yourself into an ark where there's a bunch of animals and your family and you're in there for a long time. You're going to learn how to get along real well. Supernaturally, God took care of everything. We need to start seeing in this hour, you know, when I taught that sermon between Christmas, Thanksgiving and Christmas, it changed my life. I don't even know what I said. It cha- I haven't even heard the tape. It changed my life. The news was clicked off on the radio. The news never went on the TV unless God tells us to. The only time we've really watched any news is because it, kept, it came on about the fires. I think that's all we've seen. Am I correct? Except the weather channel, maybe. The tornadoes or whatever, but changed my life and my whole attitude changed it was like I don't have to concern myself what's going on because God has this thing in his hands amen so let's move on so here we go here's Elijah he's 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 now being sent over here to Zarephath a famine-stricken city, and God sends him to this widow to be fed who's gathering sticks for her last meal and her son's last meal. She's ready to feed them their last meal. (laughs) I've been thinking about this last meal. 17, verse 8 and 9. And the word of the Lord came to him, Arise and go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow to, there to provide for you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. When he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her, 
bring me a little water in a vessel that I may drink. As she was going to get it, he called her and said, bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And she said, as the Lord your God lives, I have not a loaf baked, but only a handful of meal in a jar and a little oil in a bottle. See, I'm gathering two sticks that I may go in and bake it for me and my son that we may eat it and die. Now remember, there was less water than food at the brook. Remember that? Well, here she is ready to die. They're going to eat and die. That's a thought. She did as Elijah said, and she and he and her household ate for many days. The jar of meal was not spent, nor did the bottle of oil fail, according to the word which the Lord spoke through Elijah. Praise the Lord. Then comes um, fear to her in 1 Kings 17, 13, and 14. Elijah... Um, Elijah said to her, Fear not, go and do as you have said, but make a little cake. Let's see, we get down here. Um, After these things, the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, became sick, and, and his sickness was so severe that there was no breath left in him. And she said to Elijah, What have you against me, O man of God? Have you come to me to call my sin to remembrance, to slay my son? He said to her, Give me your son. And he took him from her bosom, carried him up into the chamber where he stayed, and laid him on his own bed. And Elijah cried to the Lord and said, O Lord God, have you brought further calamity on the widow with whom I sojourned by slaying her son? And he stretched himself upon the child three times, and cried to the Lord and said, Lord, my God, I pray thee, let this child's soul come back into him. And the Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the soul of the child came back into him, and he revived. Elijah took the child and brought him down out of the chambers into the lower part of the house and gave him to his mother. And Elijah said, See, your son is alive. And the woman said to Elijah, by this I know that you are a man of God and not, and that the word of the Lord is in your mouth is truth. Well, I would have thought she would have known that when the oil and the... You understand what I'm trying to say? It took the dying of her son to make her believe? Folks, don't go that far, please. <laughs> All right. I mean, I hate to say it, but some people are so stupid like I was that I had to almost lose Matt before I would even admit there was a God. Okay. First um, Kings 18, 17 through 19. And I've already read on this, but we're going to look at the scriptures on this. Okay. First Kings 18. God wants you to, after this day, be prepared and realize that he has commanded the blessings on you every day. 
Every day needs to be something exciting for you. 1 Kings 18, 17 through 19, and we know that this is where the false prophets come in. And Ahab saw Elijah. Ahab said to him, Are you he who troubles Israel? No, I'm trying to save Israel. Elijah replied, I have not troubled Israel, but you have, and your father's house by forsaking the commandments of the Lord and by following the Baals. Therefore, send and gather to me all Israel and Mount Carmel and the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of the goddess Asherah who eat at the Queen Jezebel's table. Man, that must have been a huge table. You think of it, feeding all these false prophets. We see that um, on Mark, Matt Carmel on verse 20 through 24 of, of chapter 18, he goes up. So Ahab sent to all Israelites and assembled the prophets of Mount Carmel. Elijah came near to all the people and said, How long will you halt and limp between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. The people did not answer him a word. Then Elijah said to the people, I, only I remain a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets. He goes on, Let the two bulls he gave us let them choose one bull for themselves, cut it in pieces, lay it on the wood, and put no fire to it. I will dress the other bull, lay it on the wood, and put no fire to it. Then you can call on, then you can call on the name your God, and I will call on the name of the Lord God, and the one who answers by fire, let him be God. And the people answered, It is well spoken. So we already know what happened. They went, cut themselves. They did everything to try to make their God move. Nothing happened. You know, this to me, we are living in the time where we're getting out of here soon. All this is, this, this is going to be tremendous when the two prophets come back and do these things. And we're just, getting a li- we're just getting a little tiny piece of what was done. But they are going to prophesy and things are going to happen. Prophesy and things are going to happen. You know, with television and the thing we have nowadays, everybody will see it. I would hate to be here the day left the day after the rapture. You know, there will be Christians that will be left and they will know exactly what's about to take place. And if they're smart, they're going to hit a plane to Israel. Just get on it and get there. Just go there and start preaching. So they all summoned, they, they summoned each other around and we see that Nothing happened with theirs. In verse 38, 
when Elijah says, hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that you, the Lord, are God and have turned their back, their hearts back to you. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust on, and also licked up the water that was in the trench. When the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is God, the Lord, he is God. Then Elijah sees the prophets of Baal, let not one escape, and that was it. Okay, we know that was the end of that. Um, I want to go down here now into verse 18, chapter 1841. And then, he, then we see we know in 39 and 40 was the destruction of the false prophets. And then we go down here where Elijah prays for rain. The drought stops in verse, chapter 18, 41 through 46. Then Elijah said to Ahab, Go up, eat and drink, for there is a sound of abundance of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and to drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel and he bowed himself down upon the earth and put his face between his knees and he said to his servant go up now look towards the sea and he went up and looked and said there is nothing Elijah said go again seven times so here is his servant going up they haven't seen a cloud in the sky for all these years he keeps going up and coming back. There's nothing. There's nothing. There's nothing. There's nothing. Elijah keeps sending him. So Elijah knows when it hits, it's going to hit. How many know when it hits, it's going to hit? You know, Malachi says, as we give of our tithes, that God will pour out a, a blessing upon us, that there's not even enough room to contain it. That's in this lifetime. How many of you wake up if you're going to sleep? <laughs> if any of you think of this now, this is in this lifetime. Start believing. Start speaking it out. Hallelujah. Get excited because you're part of it. So here we go. And at the seventh time, the servant said, <laughs> A cloud as small as a man's hand is arising out of the sea. And Elijah said, Go up. Say that. Here's this little cloud rising up from the sea. And he says, Go up and say to Ahab, Hitch your chariot and go down, lest the rain stop you. In a little while, the heavens were black, and the winds swept clouds, and there was great rain. And Ahab went to Jezreel. The hand of the Lord was on Elijah. He girded up his loins and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel, nearly 20 miles. This guy was no young chicken, I'm going to tell you right now, man. He took off running, and he out 
outran the chariots. He outran, he outran Ahab to Jezreel. I mean, when this little dinky cloud comes, this is, we need, this is what we need right now. We need a cloud to come out of the sea, and we need it to drench California. How can anybody can believe for that? That we need it. Go drive by Lake Kachuma. You're going to know we need the rain. Amen. Thank God we had the ocean out there. They were getting all the water out of the ocean. Down there. I mean, thank God. And Elijah prays from rain. The drought stops. Elijah runs before the king to the entrance of Jezreel. 1 Kings 19, 1 through 8. Here we go. Ahab told Jezreel, Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had slain all the prophets of Baal with the sword. Jezebel sent a message to Elijah. This I don't get. Okay. You can't, I don't get it. She sends a message to Elijah saying, so let the gods do to me and more also if I make not your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Then he was afraid and arose and went for his life and came to Beersheba of Judah over 80 miles and out of Jezebel's realm and left his servant there. I don't get it. This woman must have really looked wicked. That's all I can tell you. But he came and went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a lone broom or juniper tree and asked that he might die. He said, how many have ever felt like this? Don't raise your hand. It is, is it enough now, O Lord? Take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. And he lay asleep under the broom or juniper tree. Behold, an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. He looked, and behold, there was a cake baked on the coals and a bottle of water at his head. And he ate and drank and lay down again. This guy never had to cook his own meals. <laughs> Some of us need to start thinking a little further into this realm. He never... He, he, so the angel says, Arise, eat. The journey is too great for you. And so he rose and ate and drank and went in the... Boy, this must have been some cake. He rose and ate and drank and went in, into the strength of that food 40 days and nights to Horeb, the Mount of God. How'd you like to eat one cake, one bottle of water, and have the strength to go all this way under the strength of God? There he came to a cave and lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the Israelites have forsaken your covenant thrown down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, only I, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. 
And he said, go out and stand in the mount before the Lord. And he, and behold, the Lord passed by and a great and strong wind rent the mountains and broke in pieces and the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind and after the wind an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake and after the earthquake a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a sound of gentle stillness and a still small voice. Can you imagine standing there watching that? When Elijah heard the voice, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? Wait a minute, I lost my place. Wait, no, wait, I didn't. Um, Go return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, anoint Hazel, the king of Syria, and anoint Jehu, the son of Nishma, to be king over Israel, and anoint Elisha, son of Saphat, and Abel Mahathal, to be the prophet in your place. And, And him who escapes from the sword of Hazel, Jehu, shall slay, and him who escapes the sword of Jehu, Elijah, shall slay. Yet I will leave myself 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. So Elijah left there and found Elisha, son of Saphat, who was plowing, was being done, with twelve yoke of oxen, and he drove the twelfth. Elijah crossed over to him, cast his mantle upon him. He left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Let me kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow you. And he, testing Elijah, said, Go on back. What have I done to you? Settle it for yourself. So Elijah went on back with, from him, then he took a yoke of oxen, slew it, boiled it, their flesh, the oxen yoke and yoke as fuel, and gave to the people, and they ate. Then he arose, followed Elijah, and served him. You notice it's very interesting to me that he asked to go back and deal with stuff. He wasn't stopped. The disciples asked to go back, and Jesus said, no, follow me. And so, and I've always found this very interesting. There was a school of prophets. They weren't chosen. Elisha was chosen to be the successor. And so we go on here. We see Elisha. We see that, um, hang on. Um, these are my notes and I can hardly read them. Let's go to 1 Kings 21. I don't know about you, but I find this exciting. Pastor and I, I'm going to be honest with you. He thinks it's going to be Enoch and Elijah. I think it's going to be Moses and Elijah. But it doesn't matter. You know, we can agree to disagree on, on, I think there's only one, that's the only thing we disagree on, I think, in this, pardon? And he's right, he says. Well, I don't care who's right. 
It really doesn't matter to me. This does not, you know, that doesn't matter. But anyway, let's move on here. It doesn't matter to me who's right. I'm not going to be here. So it doesn't really matter. But anyway, you know, most people agree with him. Some agree with me, whatever. Um, it doesn't matter. It's the only thing we, you know, really, for two people, the whole Bible, to only disagree on one thing, that's pretty, really amazing. <laughs> and it's such a minor thing. Um, so where did I say to go? 21. Here we are. 21, verse 17 to 24. And the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite, saying, Arise, go down and meet Ahab, king of Israel, in Samaria. He is in the vineyard of Naboth, where he has gone to possess it. Say to him, Thus saith the Lord, Have you killed and also taken possession? Thus says the Lord, In the place where the dogs licked the blood of Naboth, Shall dogs lick your blood even also? And Ahab said to Elijah, Have you found me, O my enemy? And he answered, I have found you because you have sold yourself to do evil in the sight of the Lord. This guy, it's unbelievable to me. He had an opportunity to change. Think of it. He had an opportunity to change, but he chose a stupid wife. Maybe he was afraid of her, too. I don't know. Anyway, so let's move on. She must have been a scary person. <laughs> Anything belonging to Ahab who dies in the field of the dogs shall eat, and any who dies in the field of the birds of the air shall eat. And there was no one who sold himself to do evil in the sight of the Lord, as did Ahab, incited by his wife Jezebel. He did very abominably in going after idols, as had the Amorites, where the Lord cast out before the Israelites. When Ahab heard these words of Elijah, he tore his clothes, put sackcloth on his flesh, fasted, lay in his sackcloth, and and went quietly. And the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite, saying, Do you see how Ahab humbled himself before me? Because he humbles himself before me, I will not bring evil in his lifetime, but in his son's day I will bring the evil upon his house. And then it goes on, and it did come, and it was pretty sad. So he did repent, laid in sackcloth and ashes and whatever. Okay. 2 Kings 1, 1 through 12. I don't know if I want to do that. I want to, I'm not going to do that one because we're going to do, we're going to skip that one, read it later if you want to. Um, we're going to go to 2 Kings 2, 1 through 11. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven by a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were going from Gilgal. And Elijah said to Elisha, Tarry here, I pray you, for the Lord has sent me to Bethel. But Elisha replied, 
as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. The prophets, the son who were at Bethel, came to Elisha and said, Do you know that the Lord will take your master away from you today? He said, Yes, I know it. Hold your peace. Elijah said to him, Elisha, tarry here. I pray you, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But he said, As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. The sons of the prophets who were in Jericho came to Elisha and said, Do you know that the Lord will take your master away from you today? And he answered, Yes, I know it. Hold your peace. Elijah said to him, Tarry here, I pray you, for the Lord has sent me to Jordan. But he said, As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. And the two of them went on. Fifty men of the sons of the prophets also went and stood to watch afar. And the two of them stood by the Jordan. And Elijah took his mantle and rolled it up and, stuck and struck the waters. And they divided this way and that, so that the two of them went over on dry ground. And when they had gone over, Elijah said to Elisha, Ask what I shall do for you before I am taken from you. And Elijah said, I pray you, let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. He said, you have asked a hard thing. However, if you see me when I am taken from you, it shall not be, it shall be so for you. But if not, it shall not be so. As they went on and talked, Behold, a chariot of fire and horses of fire parted the two of them. And Elijah went up in the whirlwind into heaven. And Elijah saw it, and he cried, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And he saw him no more. And he took hold of his own clothes and tore them into pieces, in two pieces. He took also the mantle of Elijah that fell from, fell from him and he went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. And he took the mantle that fell from Elijah and struck the waters and said, Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? And when he struck the waters, they parted this way and that, and Elisha went over. When the sons of the prophets who were watching at Jericho saw him, they said, The spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. And they came to meet him and bowed themselves on the ground before him. And he said to them, Behold now, there are, are among you servants, fifty strong men. Let them go, we pray you, and seek your master. So we see that in Matthew 17, 3, When you think about, this is so powerful. We're going to go to verse 1. In six days, get a tape ready back there. I'm going to have the healing line. And six days after this, thank you. 
Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up on a high mountain by themselves. And his appearance underwent a change in their presence, and his face shone clear and bright like the sun, and his clothing became as white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah, who kept talking with him. Then Peter began to speak and said to Jesus, Lord, it is good and delightful that, you are, that we are here. If you approve, I will put up three booths here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elisha. And while he was still speaking, behold, a shining cloud coming, composed of light, overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, my beloved, with whom I am and have always been delighted. Listen to him. When the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces and were seized with alarm and struck with fear. But Jesus came and touched them and said, Get up and do not be afraid. When they raised their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. This is, you know, when you look at this, you, you see, you came back, they had a talk, and these two leave. When you read about the prophets of old, the ones that truly were God's prophets, you see the anointing and the power of God so strong on their lives. Yet we're in, we're in the days where God has given gifts to the church. As you're learning in the early class, those of you that are coming, and those gifts are to be used in this hour. We are, we are coming into a time when, God help me with this. Praise you, Father. Praise you, Father. We are coming into a time where God's power is going to be poured out through people that know the Word, operate in the Word, and have not fallen away from the Word of Faith. There are many in this hour that are falling away from, once, from what they once knew. And people ask, how did this happen? It happened because of resentment, strife and discord. You can't allow that in your lives. There's no way you can allow strife, discord, and resentment in your lives and operate in the things of God and allow and expect the Spirit of God to move through you. I didn't know how God wanted to end this service this morning. I had no idea. All I know was when I sat in the row up there, he said, don't do the healing line right away. Don't do the line right away.
You've got to know the word. Jesus said, will I find faith when I return? I'm paraphrasing this. Will I find, and more and more people are not walking in faith. I'll be very honest with you. I wept for, in my spirit for, for days. I literally had to separate myself for days over some things that are going on. But the Lord said, rise up. Rise up because there's a remnant, a remnant that will go forth and do the things that I've commanded to be done in this hour. Now church, this church is part of that remnant go, yeah, this is a remnant, all right. But this church is called to get out there and win souls, and not only win souls, but to bring forth miracles and healings to people, to see your workplace change, to speak into existence the things that God tells you to speak into existence daily. You have been set apart for a purpose. This is not a time to be walking the line like he said, if you're gonna serve God, serve God. If you're not gonna serve God, serve the enemy. Because you can't be lukewarm, you can't ride the fence. I'm not saying anybody is, I'm just saying this. If there are things in your heart and you have resentments or bitternesses or whatever towards anybody, if it's against Pastor and I or against anybody, go to them and get it right. Because God has plans and purposes for you. Like, like when Laurel taught for me this morning, it was said that from the foundation of the earth, the plans were spoken into existence for every one of us. And he wants you to do them. He wants you to operate in them. He wants you to be fulfilled by them. He wants you to fulfill his plan for you on this earth. So as she plays the music, if, if you have any symptoms on your body or anything, come forward. But if, if there are areas that you know you need help with, like, I need help. I am not walking the way I need to be walking with God. I'm going to call everybody together. I'm not going to say, those of you that need this, go over there. And I'm not going to do that because it's nobody's business but your own. But I challenge you, if you're not walking 100%, with God in this hour. Today's the day to change it. And I guarantee you, the blessings will begin to flow like you couldn't even expect it. But if you continue hanging on to the old things, 
it'll get worse and worse for you. It's not going to get better. It'll get worse. You know, when I received Jesus, my life was so pitiful. I said, what do I have to lose if they're telling me this is the truth, then it's the truth. That's really where I was. What do I have to lose here? Well, what do you have to lose to just dump all the garbage from the past off today, any offense, any resentment, any bitterness? Really, you know, and many of you heard Jim Caseman teach on that that time about the monkey and how they catch him with a stupid banana. How they stick them, they stick their hand in there and they hang on to the thing and they can't get it out and that's how they catch them. Well, that's how the enemy is. I had someone write me and then, you know, they said, how do you keep your skin like it is at your age? And they wanted to know and, and I said, well, I pray. And I use two products, but I pray. They want to know what I prayed, and I said, I shared with them, and I said, but there's, there's several things I don't do. I don't allow bitterness. Number one, I don't allow strife. I don't allow bitterness and resentment to hang on to me. I refuse it. Because if you ever look at a bitter person, they have so many wrinkles. They're just eaten alive with wrinkles. and just, just, or vile just comes out of their mouth. You don't want to be like that. And I, I really, I shared this, you know, I didn't know I was going to share that, but that's what I shared. But today, you saw where God commanded the ravens to feed him. God commanded a woman to take care of him. God commanded things to take place. God told him to speak this and he spoke it and it happened. That is exactly what God has for you. So Heather, please start the music. And if you want prayer for whatever, come forward. If you don't, you can you can leave if you want to, or you can stay and pray if you want to, whatever. The next time this little lady is here, someone grab 